Aloha, Penn Nation. You are now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Thank you very much for joining us. This is episode 112, and we've got three guests for your listening enjoyment. We're going to kick things off with our good friend, Colby Covington. Colby, of course, more or less stealing the show at UFC 235 from crashing Usman's open workout to harassing Dana White, causing a ruckus cage side, and almost getting into a brawl in the casino buffet line after the fight. We're going to talk about all that and much more with Colby, including his thoughts on a now-looming matchup with Kamara Usman. Next up, following the announcement that he will be fighting Jose Aldo at UFC 237 in Rio de Janeiro on May 11th, Alexander Volkanovsky returns to the show to break down that matchup and discuss what a big win in Rio means for his career and his hopes for the title. And then closing out this episode, we are joined by American Top Team owner and founder Dan Lambert. We had a great conversation with Dan, and I was very happy to finally get him on the show. He's truly one of a kind in the MMA world and, quite frankly, the sports world in general. We're going to cover the gambit with Dan in our 45-minute conversation with him. Again, it really was a good one. I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's waste no time. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Let's kick things off with Colby Chaos Covington. All right, Penn Nation, the nerd-bashing American winning machine is back yet again. So let's bring a little chaos to this episode with the one and only Colby Covington. What's the word, champ? How did the poker tournament go the other day? Ah, shit. The poker, it was no good, but uh, it's okay. You know, the people's champ is back to give the people some knowledge and uh, inform people on what's going on. So, real quick, before we jump into it, you, you play a good amount of poker, right? And I believe it's Texas Hold'em, correct? Yeah, yeah, I love Texas Hold'em. It's similar to fighting, Jason. You know, it's it's uh, a lot of strategy, uh, a lot of patience, and uh, it's a mental warfare when you're on the poker table. So, you know, it really translate, translates well to the mindset of a fighter. Now, is is that something? Do you get involved in that a lot? Like every time there's a there's a tournament down by you in Florida, you try to jump in there, or? Yeah, the good thing about me is that you know I live really close to the Hard Rock Coast Hotel here, so sometimes they have the big WPT events that come down, and WPT is known uh, in the poker world. It's a you know they always put big guarantees on their prize pools, so sometimes there's million dollar prize pools, or, or you can even win mil- a million dollars for first place. You know, so wow. I love to jump jump in the tournaments at the Hard Rock and play here and there. Yeah, and you got to stack those chips one way or another, right? That's right, bro. We got to keep moving forward. We got to make that money, man. Let's let's be honest. Uh, you know, no one wants to fight me right now, so the bill's got to get paid one way or another. Absolutely, man. So speaking of stacking some chips. Seems like we might finally see you get back to work in the octagon and clash in, uh, you know, cash in on another payday pretty soon here. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, is Low Energy Marty going to fall in the footsteps of uh, his predecessor, uh, Tyrone Woodley? You know, he's already faking injuries again. Another move that Woodley used to love to do. You know, we saw in that Palms Buffet line, he was fine with his foot. He was, you know, acting all hostile, but... You know, saying all this stuff that he was going to brutalize me on ESPN, but now we haven't heard a word out of him. You know, you know, I was ready to go with June or July, but you know, I haven't heard one thing yet. So, you know, he's probably going to go for the path to least resistance, and that's either taking another fight with Woodley or even getting that thirty-six-year-old virgin uh, Ben Askren. 
Yeah, that, that, that would be a shame, man. But but for right now, I guess, you know, let, let's stay positive and hope that he does take the fight. Before we get into, uh, you know, the, the matchup, the looming matchup with Kamaru, give us your thoughts on the fight with uh, Woodley, how it all played out. Did you expect Usman to dominate Woodley like that? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it was a boring fight, man. I, I'm glad I was in the crowd. You know, the loudest uh, pop the crowd was was when they put me, the people's champ, on the on the on this big screen you know that's when the fans went crazy besides that it was a boring fight you know you you saw a guy in tyrell woodley who's a shell of his former self a guy that doesn't want to fight anymore and let's be honest jason you know i had already given Usman the blueprint on woodley i said it for years i said woodley sucks he has no cardio he's got no no fight he's got no heart you know i i said the way to beat him you know but let's be honest i already beat his ass multiple times in the gym i took his soul you know, and, and the guy's not the same guy that he used to be. He's not even a top 10 level fighter anymore, so he shouldn't even be fighting. He should stick to his uh, non-existent Hollywood career that he's trying to go after and his pathetic rap album career that he's going after. He's trying to make songs about me and, and this and that. He's not a fighter anymore, and, and that's what we saw last time when he fought Usman. So you you would suggest that uh, kind of the similarities in the game plan and, and having that pace, that's that's a very similar fight to what would have happened had you fought Tyron. Uh, you know, that's the very similar thing that I've been telling every media member for the last couple of years. I said what I did, and I guess uh, Marty Snoozman was listening to my interviews because, you know, he another time he tried to copy my blueprint, you know. Look at his three biggest wins. They're all guys that I already fought and destroyed, took their souls. He's just following my blueprint for success. Marty Usman wants to be just like me, but let's be honest, he'll never be able to beat me. Now, last time we spoke, you had obvious hopes that Tyron would win, simply for the fact that you guys have been destined to cross paths for a while now. Were you disappointed at the outcome, considering all the promotion that you've already done for Woodley? Yeah, I was disappointed. I, I wanted to be the one to finish Tyquil Woodley's career, and I was supposed to be the one, you know? We had a history that goes back in the gym when I used to beat the fuck out of him every day in sparring, and, you know, here was this chance in front of the whole world to try and get me back, but, you know, it was just going to be me exposing him again just like I did in the, in the gym, so it sucks, man. I built that fight up for, you know, two, three years, and it was the biggest fight at welterweight that could have been served, you know, and, and the people didn't get that fight, you know? The, the UFC robbed the people of it. And, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, it is okay. You know, it's on to bigger and better things now, and I'm moving forward. And now i got a, a, a fight with uh, Marty Snoozman, and uh, I'm going to end all his hype, and uh, that it's going to be the end of him after we fight. Now, regardless of the outcome at UFC 235, like you said earlier, you, my friend, you managed to steal the show on, on so many levels, crashing the open workout, rolling up on Dana White gambling, sitting cage side and causing a ruckus. Would you call that mission accomplished for the weekend there? Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, there some chaos. Everybody felt chaos in Vegas that weekend, you know. The thing about chaos is he's unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know where he's going to be. I told everybody, I will find Dana White, and I will get my meeting face-to-face with him. And that's exactly what I did, Jason. I got face-to-face with him. I got an explanation from him. He told me that the people's champ, yes, you are next. Yes, you will fight the winner of whoever wins this number one contender fight. So mission accomplished. I will get to defend my title against the number one contender, Marty Snoozman. Now, you had said that uh, in other interviews that, that you and Dana are on good terms. He had said that things got uh, pretty crazy cage side and that he had to go over and do some damage control. What was going on there? 
man, the, the cage side, man, it was crazy, man. Just, I guess everybody hates our president. It's just, it's anti-America or something, man. I'm, I'm wearing my MAGA hat and all these people are going crazy, yelling at me, saying they're going to come take that hat off me and this and that. I mean, I go to my front row seat, Mama Woodley's sitting there, and all the fans are, are saying, oh, you're the real champ, Colby, you're the real champ, and, and I'm just saying, people are saying, you know, and then she freaks out, no, my son Tyrell Woodley, he's the real champ, you you sit your ass down, Colby, and she's freaking down, and then the next second I know, Todd Gurley and his little crew are on the other side of me, and they're getting all crazy, oh, fuck you, Colby Covington, Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Maga. I'll fuck you up. Let's go outside right now, motherfucker. And they were getting all hostile. So Dana had to come over again and put like some security guards and some cops over there. Shit was crazy, man. There was it was breaking out in the crowd. But let's be honest, man. Those fights were boring at UFC 235. So someone had to interject some energy into the crowd because there was no there was literally no hype on the card. There was no electricity. So you know I had to give the fans what they want. They came to see a show. They came, and that's what I did for them. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, man, that, that a hat, just a simple hat, can, can incite so much uh, anger with people these days, huh? Dude, it's unbelievable. Just just the hat, man, is can trigger people so easily. It gets them in their feelings where, you know, they don't even know what to feel. You know, they're freaking raging at the, at the mouth, and they don't know what to do. But, you know, it's just a hat, man, at the end of the day, man, like, Respect our country, respect our president, man, and, and respect everybody to have their own opinion. Not everybody's going to align with your opinion, and just because they don't have the same opinion as you doesn't mean you need to freak out and act like it's the end of the world. Now, it looked like one of the guys tried to make his way over towards you before going into the cage as well. I want to say it was Smith, if I'm not mistaken, but you know, even watching the main event and the co-main event, you were clearly standing up and, and talking to all the guys. What were you saying to Kamaru and Woodley while they were fighting? Oh, I was telling them before the fight, you know, hey, this is a great number one contender fight, but to be the man, you got to beat the man. And neither one of you motherfuckers is the man. I'm the man. I'm Donald Trump's favorite fighter. I'm the real world champion. And, and after you guys settle this number one contender fight, get ready because you're going to get your ass whooped next. And then after the fight, you know, I just let Marty Snoozman know he's boring, he sucks, and, and he's next. And he tried to run over me and act like a little street thug, but, you know, you can't put pause on this, man. We're professional fighters, man. Keep that shit in the cage, man. Don't don't act like a street thug. Right. Save it for the payday. That's for sure. Now I can only I can only imagine what you were saying to John Jones and Anthony Smith during that fight as well. <laughs> yeah, man. Just just heckling them a little bit, you know. I, I was trying to get a meeting with my boy John Bones, man. We used to share a bunk bed in college together. I was, you know, I was letting him know I was there for support, man. It's, I'm turning, <laughs> man. Maybe we could be friends, man. Maybe we could work this out and be friends, Johnny. Come on, brother. Give, give me a chance, man. We used to be best friends in college, sharing a bunk bed together. Let, let's work this out, man. We've been through more than than any of mother, these motherfuckers, especially the shady motherfuckers, Malky and the first-round management team, those guys that are yes-men around you, man. I, I'm going to be a real motherfucker around you and tell you how it is i'm not gonna you know yes you and tell you this and that you know i'm gonna get your life straight so you know hopefully johnny uh sees the light and he comes to the realness side so there's a possibility you and john could squash the beef if you guys had a little conversation you know off the record or off camera rather yeah i think so man i think that uh you know if we if we shared some of our memories that we had in college together i think we could get over this you know it's it's just like any bad relationship with a girl or this and that. You know, you you have a little fight, a little argument, but, you know, you work it out. You know, you talk about, you know, you talk about things that, 
you know, that where you guys can find common ground. And, and, you know, I just think that we shared a lot of memories together, winning junior college national titles together and all the trips that we went on for wrestling is, you know, we, we share a special bond that, that you can't, you can't ever replace. So, you know, I think if we were able to sit down face to face, he would understand me just like Dana White did. Well, that's interesting, man, and that's encouraging. I hope that that, uh, that day comes to fruition. But just to stick with the card here for a moment, what about the Lawler and Askren fight? What did you make of that stoppage and, and the reaction from the crowd? Uh, yeah, I can't believe that Herb Dean saved Ben Askren's life, man. He was literally going to die. He saved his life, man. I mean, honestly, Ben Askren should give his Hodge trophy to Robbie Lawler because Robbie Lawler took him down more times than he took him down. And he had him literally finished and dead if, if it wasn't for Herb Dean saving him. So, you know, it was a it was a completely ill-advised stoppage. And, and uh, who knows, man? Maybe the fix was in, man. It seemed like the fix was in that night. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Watching it with uh, some buddies of mine, one of them in particular was kind of upset that Herb didn't stop the fight when, when Ben was getting uh, smashed on by... by um... Robbie there, but apparently you crossed paths with Ben in the back and told him to get a win in the UFC, to which he replied, I just did, and you came back with a really good one-liner, you know, saying that uh, one the referee didn't gift you. Was that the end of the conversation with you and Ben? Yep, that was the end of it. You know, Brett Akimoto was sitting right there, and he, he heard it all, you know. I just said, yo, get a win, man. You want to come to the top of the mountain, no problem. I'll kick you right back to the bottom. But come on, man, you got to earn your way up. I'm not going to help you and give you a hand up. you got to earn your way up. And I let him know, get a win in the UFC, and then we can talk. You're obviously the easiest fight in the UFC. You don't know how to throw a punch, and your wrestling sucks. You got dropped on your head by Robbie Lawler. So, you know, boom, roasted. There you go, buddy. Give your hot <laughs> trophy up to, to Robbie Lawler. But yeah, just I mean, he's just a hype job. He's trying to build himself up into something that he's not, and uh, he's going to get get exposed soon. That's why everybody's calling him out now. They all see how easy of a fight he is. Now, obviously, I want to get to the situation in the buffet line and the casino, uh, but you had mentioned that you also had a run-in with Nate Diaz as well. He flipped you off walking by, and, and was that it? Did you respond? Was there any more interaction between you guys? Yeah, I just I, – he walked by, flipped me off. Fuck you, Colby. I'm just like, dude. Where's this energy coming from? You want to act like a tough guy, dude? Let's let's see it. Come to my face. Say it to my fucking face. Or even better, let's settle in the cage, man. If you're so hard, you think you're such a gangster, man. Everybody knows who run the West Coast. I'm from the West Coast, motherfucker. I run the West Coast. So, you know, I just I th- I thought it was hilarious. You know, he just he's walking by trying to trying to start something that he's never gonna finish. Because honestly, he's never gonna sign a contract to fight me. He got his ass whooped by RDA. RDA fucking ate his fucking face up, took brain cells, took years off his life in that fight, and we saw what RDA did against me. He was, you know, he, he got pummeled, he got punished. So, you know, Nate Diaz is a complete joke. You know, he's just trying to keep his hype and, and keep look cool to the fans. That's all he was trying to do is look cool to the fans. So that's about all he's doing. He's a fucking joke. And, of course, that leads us to the video of uh, Ali and Kamaru and, and what seemed to be several other guys approaching you in the casino. First off, man, who started the altercation? Who approached who initially? Uh, it was completely their side. You know, they approached me looking to get a reaction out of me. Obviously, they want me to swing. You know, they, they came up to me because they're threatened now. Now they realize that I'm the guy in the way to take everything that they work for. So, of course, they're going to try and come to me and, and get me to hopefully I'll swing on them and lose my title shot. But it wasn't going to happen, man. All I was doing, Jason, was sitting in the buffet line trying to get some crab legs, man. What's, 
is there is there something wrong, man? Can I get some some crab legs before before I get on my flight back to South Florida and all my beautiful bitches in Miami? It's just, it's unbelievable, you know. You got this Sasquatch dude of, of of Snoozman's buddy. He comes up, puts hands on me, pushes me. I'm like, oh yeah, what what are you gonna do, dude? And then and then Ali comes over. He tries to take a swing on me, and of course my cat like reflexes. He's not gonna hit me, you know. So I get out of the way. And then Ali's acting all tough. Usman's jumping over barriers. It's hilarious. He was just getting wheelchaired the night before to his press conference, but then the next day he's jumping over barriers, sprinting in my face, acting all hard and shit. And then Ali, my friend's holding Ali and, and Ali back, and Ali punched my friend in the side of the head like three or four fucking times, like hard. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? You're fucking, we're professionals. You're a manager. How embarrassing a fucking manager is punching some random guy in a buffet line. Like, that's embarrassing. This guy should be deported back to whatever uh, country he snitched on. Well, was it Egypt or whatever? Was that the country he snitched on? I don't know, but he's an FBI informant, and he, he's a little terrorist rat. So, you know, he needs to get deported out of this country. But, you know, Snoozman, man, all that all that energy, he was so low, low energy when he got face-to-face. Once he looked in my eyes and realized that he's dealing with the man now, I saw a lot of scaredness. And, and you know what's hilarious, Jason? I haven't heard a peep out of him since that day. Where's all his interviews? Why hasn't he said anything? Yeah, I was going to say, man, surprisingly, I guess at the end of the altercation or, you know, after the initial, uh, when things got started there, he surprisingly seemed to be the level-headed one out of their, out of his entourage. Would you say that's accurate? Do you think that he was kind of the one to, to, to cool things off before it got, you know, out of control? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that because he's the one that instigated and started it. He ran up at first and pushed my friend out of the way like he was going to do something to me. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, snoozeman? We fight, in, we're professionals who fight in a cage. You want to fight me? Don't worry. All the fans want to see this, but you're only going to see it for $60 on high def. That's the only way you're going to catch these hands. Otherwise, I ain't fighting like a fucking criminal street thug. And, and, and it's just so funny because the night four is giving this speech. Oh, I care about, I care about kids. Oh, my kid. Oh, I'm such a nice guy. But then the next day, he's acting like a street thug, putting innocent people's lives in danger, putting little kids, pregnant women, putting them in danger, pushing me into a pregnant woman. Like, the guy's a complete fake, and that's what's wrong with his spores. He's all these guys pretending to be something they're not. He's not a good guy. He's trying to act like he's a good guy. He's a piece of shit with no morals, and I can't wait to get in the cage with him because I'm literally going to take his life. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that that definitely could have gone – could have gone very badly uh, had things not not chilled out there. But when I spoke to Dan Lambert uh, yesterday, uh, or the day before rather, he had said that, that he doesn't understand why Ali interjects himself into situations like that. And I think the MMA community reacted the same way. Like, why are you attacking an athlete in public like that? You're a manager. Like you're talking about the whole level of professionalism there. It was, it was crazy to see that. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, It's and, and he's trying to fight me, he's like, let's fight right now, let's do this, let's take it out, so I'm like, dude, you're not even a fighter, what are you going to do? Or, oh, my bad, you're a fighter, you're 1-15 as a fighter, my bad, I didn't mean to, to botch your record, but, uh, but dude, man, Ali, that guy's a fucking scumbag, dude, I can't believe the UFC even still deals with this guy, I mean, how professional is that? Could you imagine, like, Dan Lambert, a guy like that, putting hands on someone, He, I mean, he would never be caught doing something like that, I mean... But let's be honest, Ali was trying to protect Usman, you know, he's ugly and dumb, but he ain't stupid. You know, he's, he's trying to protect Usman and hope that I take a swing on them and lose out on my title shot. But it wasn't going to happen, man. I'm too smart for that shit, and I, I see right through that bullshit. And it's not going to happen, man. The only, the only way I'm going to be swinging on someone is when I'm swinging on Usman's face, hopefully in June or July. 
One thing is for sure, man, it seems like the promotion for this fight has already begun. I know the ideal scenario was Woodley, but are you excited to promote this matchup against Kamaru? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, it doesn't matter who I'm fighting, man. That's that's what the UFC sees now is that it doesn't matter who I'm fighting, man. I'm the show now, you know. I'm the I'm the welterweight attraction. I'm the I'm the biggest draw at welterweight. I'm the welterweight king, the real world champion, the people's champion. So I look forward to getting into promotion and selling this fight like like only I know how to because, no, let's be honest, none of these guys can sell fights, man. Snoozeman, he's boring. He's low energy. Like, no one wants to see that guy. No one cares to see that guy fight. He doesn't know how to promote a fight. He doesn't know how to sell a fight. And he barely knows how to fight unless he's fighting guys that I already took their souls from, guys that, that he's just taking the carcasses off of them after I left them for dead. He's just picking the bones off their carcasses. So, you know, I look forward to getting – ready for this fight and i look forward to the build-up to it it's, it's going to be a great fight jason and and i'm stealing the game the whole game will be getting taken over after i take this down yeah i'll tell you what you make a great point there you know uh obviously uh dana recognizing that 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 uh you are the the good promoter or the best promoter rather in the division or maybe even the company for that matter but uh, you know, just mentioning that, do you feel like showing up to Vegas for 235, was that kind of your way to, to show Dana, like, hey, man, I'm here, look at all this this crowd pop that I get just for being here, like, I am the guy that should have been in this fight? Um, you know, to be honest, my original plan was just to show up, have a good time, man, just, just have some fun, you know, the thing about chaos is unpredictable, you don't know where he's going to be, what he's going to do, so, you know, I didn't really even have plans to go to the fight, I, I didn't want to go to the fight, I didn't care, but, you know, I just found myself at the fight front row somehow, so, you know, I just wanted to go out there, have fun, and, and get into some trouble, man, that's what I do, that's my middle name is trouble, so, you know, if if I had to go, you know, bust in and see Dana White, if I had to go, you know, I was at the, the Florida Panther game watching the Las Vegas Knights in the box suite, you know, doing interviews for Fox Sports, you know, uh, you know, that I just wanted to be out there and give the people what they want. The people came to that event to, to be entertained and, and a show on it. And none of those fighters were giving them a show. Woodley, Usman, John Jones, none, none of those guys know how to promote. None of those guys know how to be entertaining. They only know how to get in the cage and fight. I can do it all, man. I, I know how to I know how to entertain and please the fans, and that's why I'm there. I'm there for the people, and I am the people's champion. Now, as far as styles and, and the matchup between yourself and Usman, what do you think, man? Is it a good matchup for you or a tougher one than Woodley? Uh, you know, it's an easier matchup. Uh, Woodley, Woodley is an easy matchup. He doesn't have cardio, but Usman, he doesn't know how to strike. He doesn't know how to punch. You know, I I, read, I went and rewatched some of his fights, and uh, I see a lot of weaknesses, a lot of holes in his game. So, you know, I, as you can see, he's already emotional. So, you know, we're going to get an emotional fighter whenever I fight him. And, and uh, you know, I see some big holes in his game. I'm better than him everywhere. He's, he's a D2-level wrestler. He's, uh, you know, his striking sucks. He's over there with whatever that guy's name is that, that was some wash-up out of Holland or whatever. I, I have a legit... Muay Thai world champion striking coach Gregory Choplin from France, who who's taken me to new levels, and and of course I'm at the world's greatest gym, American Top Team, where I'm improving every day. So, you know, he doesn't stand a chance. Honestly, it's not going five rounds; he's getting finished. All right, now listen, man. As always, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here. Uh, off topic, completely changing gears here. What do you make of this whole Conor McGregor situation? Smashing a fan's phone down in Miami. Too bad you weren't there to stop that, huh? Yeah, man, you, you don't mess with the people, you know. I, I am among the people 
now. I'm the people's champ. So, you know, it's 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 uh, disheartening to hear that, you know, he's not being a man of the people and, uh, you know, acting like that. He needs to conduct himself better than that. I agree. And uh, give us your thoughts on Gamebred fighting till this Saturday. Did you have a chance to work with him a lot in the preparation for this one? No, I, I've been uh, real busy, you know, training in Miami, flying all over the world, uh, you know, on, on Champ Force One. So, you know, I haven't, been, I haven't been able to hang out with uh, or train with Georgie. But, you know, he's he's coached by the best coach in the world, my coach, Mike Brown. So I know Mike Thomas Brown has him ready, and and it's going to be an exciting fight. I expect nothing less than fireworks this weekend. Uh, I, I saw that uh, Bisping had, had extended the olive, olive branch, saying that he will be there and wanted to see if he could squash the beef with uh, with Jorge. However, you know, having spe- spoken with him o- over all these years and talking about that situation, I highly doubt that's possible. But w- what do you make of Bisping trying to squash the squash the beef with uh, George? That little one-eyed twerp, man. He needs to get. Hopefully, George smacks his other eye outside of his fucking head. That guy's a fucking joke. He's the fakest guy in the game. <laughs> well, we certainly wish Jorge the best of luck this weekend. What's uh What's next on the agenda for you, man? Uh, when are you hoping to have this fight booked? It sounds like June or July is the date for you. Or do you think it's uh realistic that the fight gets made for then? Yeah, I mean, ideally, I'd love June or July. You know, if I have to go back to Chicago and make the United Center great again. Ever since Jordan left, you know, Chicago's been a complete dump of a city, and they they don't win in anything. So if they could bring back the Great American Winning Machine to show them how it's done, that'd be great. But you know, Vegas in July, you know, fight capital of the world, that'd be amazing too. You know, a lot of drama that happened last weekend in Vegas, and you know, I, I'm a pretty big figure in Vegas now. Everybody know who who I was there, so. You know, it'd be good to go back to Vegas and put on a show there. But, but you know, I, I'm the only guy that talks the talk and walks the walk, you know. So let's see what happens with Marty Snoozman. Let's see if he accepts it, you know. Let's see if he doesn't change his tune. It sounds like he's already going to mute and he's trying to trying to avoid me and run away from me. You know, he wants to look for the path of least resistance. So let's see what happens, man. We, we Anything can happen. I don't know. I think Snoozman might try and run from this fight and, and avoid it at all costs. Now, obviously, for me personally, I think International Fight Week would be perfect, but you've waited a long time already, man. I mean, you're cool with waiting till July for International Fight Week? Man, that's, a, that's the thing with me is I got times on my side, man. I, I'm young. I'm only I'm 31 years young, just turned 31. So times on my side, I'm just improving every single day, you know, and I don't fight for money. It's not about the money anymore, you know. I'm, I'm fighting for my legacy. I'm fighting for bigger things now to put on – on a show for the people you know that's what they deserve these fans pay their hard-earned money to come see an entertaining show and that's what i'm doing for these people so wherever it needs to be however long i need to wait i'm only going to do what i was promised and that's fight for that world title the undisputed title like i like i earned so you know if it has to be july june whenever i'm waiting i'm ready and i'm getting better every single day so so you don't want to blink because trust me my next fight is going to be explosive i'm gonna take fucking Usman's head off and, and bring it back to American Top Team for Dan Lambert. Now, in conclusion, brother, tell all the fans out there what a fight between yourself and uh, Kamaro is going to look like and why you'll be the linear champion when it's all said and done. Uh, it's it's going to look a lot like uh, an amateur fighter fighting a professional fighter. You're going to see the different levels to this game. He, he's not, he's doesn't, he doesn't do anything that I do. He tries to be like me, but he can never beat me. You know, he's, he, to be honest, his last three fights, you know, he's just tried to follow my blueprint to success. You know, he's fighting all these washed up fighters that I already beat, you know, these guys that are coming off losses. I was beating them when they were coming off wins. So, you know, just 
I can tell you right now, it's going to look like an amateur to a professional fight, and if Snoozman's not making it five rounds, he's going to get knocked out cold. All right, man. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Again, just like I would with Woodley, even even with this fight as well, I'm very much looking forward to the promotion and the build-up to this fight, and of course, the, the fight itself. Thanks, as always, for the time, man. I know we'll chat again soon. Any shout-out, sponsor plugs before we let you go? The floor is yours, brother. Uh, appreciate it. Much love, Jason, and, and all of DJ Penn Nation. Uh, big, biggest supporter, you know, Dan Lambert and American Top Team. I appreciate everything he does for me to get me to this level. And, uh, you know, Planet 13 out in Vegas. If you're ever in Vegas, hit up Planet 13. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my Lee restaurant in St. Louis, they've always been a big supporter of me and Tyrell Woodley, coincidentally. <laughs> so, you know, much love to them and, and, and everybody that supports me on this journey, all the people out there, even if you love me or hate me, you know, I'm trying to make your lives better, so you need to realize that and, and understand it. And uh, don't worry, you have much more to hate on. <laughs> love it, love it or hate it, man. You're you're here for the entertainment, and I I, I greatly appreciate it as well. Uh, thanks again, man. Have a great night, great afternoon. Keep stacking those chips, bro. You already know, baby. <laughs> Talk to you soon, Jason. All right, later, Colby. You guys already know what to expect from Colby. Always a pleasure to have him on the show, and I hope that he can get this fight with Usman for the summer. You heard Colby say himself he'd like to go back to Chicago in June, but I personally would love to see the showdown get booked for International Fight Week. Only time will tell, but let's keep it moving. Coming up next on BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice from the land down under, Alexander Volkanovsky. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the surging UFC featherweight powerhouse, Undefeated within the promotion, calling us from down under, the one and only Alexander Volkanovsky. Thanks as always for joining us, Alex. How's your morning going so far, man? Yeah, it's going good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm just at the park with the with the kids. Got a, I've actually got a film crew with me at the moment as well, so a busy morning. Already trained. Just uh, yeah, there's a big fight coming up, so you can sort of feel it. It's all happening at the moment. Absolutely, man. That's amazing. So it sounds like uh, they're they're shooting the preview stuff, UFC countdown stuff with you now. Oh yeah, yeah, just all that type of stuff. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's just a all a part of it, I guess. But it's got to be done. This is what we want. We absolutely, want big fights. We want, we want, we want this attention. That's what we want. Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, man. It's been a long time since we've had you on the show, and there's a ton of stuff to cover. But I wanted to start with the Chad Mendez fight. Last time we spoke was just before that fight, if I'm not mistaken. You were confident, as always, going into the bout. And I think everyone was looking at the matchup as a measuring stick for your potential. Of course, you dominated the fight, just as you said you would. But if you don't mind, just you know, briefly recap your performance there and how important that win really was for your career. It was a massive win for, for the career. Like it, You could already see, like, look, look, you know, I'm fighting Aldo now. Number one contender sort of fight, you know, it's... It just shows you I was uh, ranked 10 before that. Fighting someone like Chad Mendes, ranked number five, you know, uh, one of the legends of the sport as well. And I knew that's why I wanted that fight. I knew if I fought him, this was going to move me forward. So, you know, that's why I done. That's why I took that fight. You know, not many people call Chad Mendes out, but, you know, I know I can bet anyone in the division. So I was happy to take that fight, and I'm glad I did because things went to plan, you know. Yeah, it's tough. It's Chad Mendes, but at the same time, I know I know these uh, featherweights can't keep up my pace, and I know I'm eventually gonna just you know drown them in there. That's, that's just that's just my style. Uh, the fight pretty much went exactly how I, I thought it would. You know, I was telling people that you know I'm gonna force him to do things, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna wear him out. You know, every time you know, obviously a couple of shots landed, but at the same time, I seen everything coming. Some snuck through, but I seen everything coming. Even when he shot, you know, I, I guess I felt like I forced him to shoot. You get what I mean? I was under the pressure where he right. was just panic. It was a panic shot, panic a punch. You get what I mean? It was just that's that's a suffocating pressure I give. It just makes them make quick, rational uh, decisions, and they just you know what I mean? Not rational decisions. If you get what I'm trying to say, absolutely. I, think I worded that right. <laughs> absolutely. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if if memory serves correctly. Before the fight, the, the, that one of the times that we spoke in the lead up to the fight, you had said something about uh, you'd be the guy to retire Mendez. Was that correct? Uh, I'm, I might have. You know, there was talks of you know. We, I just thought that you know he wants one last stint to the to that title. You know what I mean? Like just that's how I, how I felt he was. He was like, oh, I'm gonna have one last go at it. You know, I just want that quick route to the the UFC title. And and I mean, if you're already thinking sort of like that. I'm going to put that crazy pressure on you that you're, you know, you're, you're going to not want to be in there after fighting some late. You're not going to want to feel that ever again. I believe that that's going to be the same case for Aldo. Again, he's a, you know, he's a, you know, he's a G of this, uh, this sport, a legend, you know, Hall of Famer. It's a, a, a massive fight for me, but at the same time, I just believe I'm going to put a pace that, you know, he, he won't want. He's already talking about retiring in a couple of fights and stuff like if you already got that in your head if you're looking at that finish line already i'm gonna make it a lot more shorter to that to that finish line you get what i mean so i just think that you know if you're already thinking of that i'm gonna make you give up early in that in that in that fight right so it was, it was you being prolific in the case of he's already talking like he's got one foot out the door you're gonna put a put a fight towards him that makes him reconsider even wanting to come back i, I get what you're saying there but uh, before we get to Aldo, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even even guys that are still young in the sport, I, I believe that once they fight me and I put that pressure and I throw them around and they can't do anything, I'm going to make them feel the same. You know, they're going to be there. Am I in the right spot? How did I just get manhandled like that? How did I get thrown around like a rag doll? You know what I mean? There was times like a fight like with Jeremy Kennedy. He was undefeated, um, and then you know his his go to was a MMA grappling sort of style and. You know, he tried to grab me, and I literally just, you know, I manhandled him. You know, I'm not that cocky type, but I made it look pretty easy. You could only imagine what went through his head. He goes, "Am I even? Is this is this even for me? You know, what's going on here? I believe that I'm going to make a a lot of people think twice about their career." Right, you're you're on you're on the next level to the point of everybody questions that their own skills. But uh, you know, before we get to Aldo, real quick, you know, you mentioned Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, You've been coming on BJPenn.com radio since I believe the Shane Young fight, as far as I can remember. But you've told me that all along becoming a champion was just a matter of time, and again expressing that confidence all along. But honestly, man, you, you've looked pretty indestructible in your last couple of fights. Do you feel like you're finally getting that uh, <clears throat> recognition and respect that you've deserved all along? And how has that success translated into your fan base? Yeah, 100%. It's finally, you know, again, it was that Chad Mendes fight. You know, it was such a big card. Uh, the world was watching. And then you had, uh, you know, you, you know, against Chad Mendes. So you know, right. you're doing that. You go out and take him out like that. All of a sudden, you know, you're right up there. People, I knew, I threw, I threw uh, my name in the title contentions. You know, I'm like, oh, no, I believe, you know, I could fight uh, Max Holloway and then people throwing it out there so it's just funny because it seemed like it was a slow like them first four or five fights it was sort of slow but then bang bang now all of a sudden you know I'm getting people on social media and all that going oh well, this fastest route to the title ever right, right. and I'm thinking mate if you know realistically 
that's not the case. It was like it dragged on for a little bit. But now you give me these top guys, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, wait a second, this guy's legit. Let's give him that title. And I guarantee you after this fight, you know, number one contender, um, you know, I'm fighting Aldo. He's, he's the number one. And I will be number one after this. I'm going to be the guy everyone's talking about. I'm going to be the guy that everyone goes, he's the one to to give uh, Max that big fight. You know what I mean? So Max, uh, Max isn't done with this division. And that's another thing. If Max is, you know, again, I, I don't like to sound cocky. It's not my thing, but I'm confident in my ability. And, and you've got someone like Max talking about, can he, you know, at the, the lightweight, you know, should I do featherweight still? Come down, you know, after I do this, obviously I've got a bigger task ahead of me, but I'm going to get the job done. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to get that win and I'll make, I'll make his decision a lot easier for him. Come down, fight me, I'll take that belt, and then there's your decision. Go back up to lightweight, you don't have to worry about that cut, cut anymore. You know what I mean? Again, right. that's a, you know, I'm not trying to trash talk, but yeah, he's not done in this division. Confidence, and man, it's if all he confidence. Is really, if he is really thinking of that, like I said, I'll make his decision for him. Right, now listen, you, <clears throat> you touched a lot of bases there, but uh, it's basically the perfect example of all a guy really needs is that opportunity to showcase his skills against one of the best in the division, and now you're the guy that everybody's talking about. Chad Mendez was that guy for you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Now, all obviously... But after this one, after this one, again, again, I'm the guy that everyone's talking about. I'm the guy that... You know, I'm definitely the next in line. I think uh, Frankie was waiting. He's waiting around. I haven't heard him taking on any fights. I think he's waiting for Max to come back so he can fight for that title. But letting me go and fight Aldo is a, is a mistake if you're waiting around for that title. Because as soon as I, I take this win, I'm definitely going to be next in line. So that you're just going to miss out on, a, on an opportunity to fight and make some money. That's how I look at it. Right. UFC 237 in Rio on May 11th against Jose Aldo. This, without question, is the fight that's going to propel you into superstardom and title contention. No doubt in your mind. No doubt. No doubt. Now, Jose had publicly said that that you were likely his next fight, and I know uh, a lot went into making this fight for you on a personal level, but now that it's all finalized, man, I can only I can only imagine the excitement that the build-up to this fight is going to bring for you. Yeah, 100%. No, as you said at the start, it was, uh, you know, I got told about the date and I heard him mention my name and I was like, oh, my, you know, I'm the best man at a wedding on, on that day. Like, this this isn't good. Like, so I was sort of hoping they could give me, even now, though, on a different card, a different date or even another opponent. That's how much I, I, I didn't want to miss this wedding. But then, uh, I don't know if you heard, but yeah, right. I made a change his wedding date so I, <laughs> so, I could make, so I could make the wedding. So that's just, everything's just working out. You know, that was one thing that was playing on my mind. But now I don't have to worry about that. And, you know, it just makes me want to win even more. You know what I mean? Like, the people I have around me, obviously, for my family, I need to win this fight. And then I've got, you know, I've got, you know, I've got friends, family, supporters like that. You know what I mean? I'm going to be invincible going in there. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> that's something I wanted to touch on in a bit. Obviously, uh, a little bit more added pressure, uh, having a, a best friend like that change his wedding date for you. But I know you got a ton of respect for Aldo. He's a legend in the sport, still very dangerous, very hungry. Likely sees you as a, as a ticket to another title shot. Of course, Aldo being your ticket to UFC Gold as well. That being said, give us your thoughts on how you guys match up stylistically. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think so as well. Like you know, that's what he said. His manager said that you know he wants one last shot at the title, and to do so, he needs to take out me, which I believe is true. And you know what I mean. But at the same time, 
you know, you already won last shot at the title. Again, that's talks of someone that's not 100% in it. But um, so, you know, again, I'm going to put that, that that's pressure. Obviously, I'm going to throw a lot of different things. I'm getting better and better every day. That's what people forget. I'm training full, full time now. You know, I've got no injuries. My body's really good. So straight after my fight, I got back into it. I got to evolve. So you And I've still got eight weeks to go. You know what I mean? So I'm going to be going out there, a whole new me. I'm going to throw things at him that, you know, the game's evolving so much. And I just believe that that's that's what's happening. He's very explosive, you know what I mean? He's going to be dangerous. You know, he loves a good counter and stuff like that. But I'm going to throw things at him. I'm going to have him panicking so much in there. He's going to he's going to wear out and I'm going to get the win. You know, whether I take out in the second or third round. I'm seeing the third round take out. Usually I say earlier, but I reckon uh, uh, second or, uh, late in the second or third round. Uh, as you mentioned there, Aldo, of course, being a deadly striker, great counter puncher. Pretty good de- de- uh, takedown defense as well, but he's also taken a lot of damage over the years. You've shown a relentless pace, as you've talked about all along here, and devastating power time and time again. So do you anticipate this as being a dogfight or a technical showdown? Oh, well, like when I'm putting that type of pressure on someone, again, I'm going to make them throw. They're going to they're gonna panic punch and, and things like that. So they're going to be dangerous. When they're early in the fight, they're always going to be dangerous. They're always going to be explosive. They're always keen to pull the trigger. But as as these minutes go by, he's going to be second-guessing himself because I'm going to capitalize on times that he's not throwing or when he's throwing and just things like that. He's constantly going to be answering a lot of questions, and that's just going to wear on him. He's going to, he's going to keep gasping for air. He's going to keep on trying to look for that half-a-second break. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, a, it's, it's hard to see on the outside. People talk about how much of a pace it is. But if you have that in front of you, it's a whole different level. You're trying to breathe. You're trying to think, and I just do not let them think or breathe. You get what I mean? So the whole time they're constantly like, "Give me a second, far out. Let me let me just have one <laughs> second to myself." I'm like, ah, "I ain't giving you nothing," and that's what's going to happen. Obviously, that style against a powerful striker like Aldo, especially early, he's going to be dangerous. So I'm not expecting this to be easy. I'm expecting him to throw some hard shots, hard leg kicks, but he is going to slow down. And I, you know what I mean? And I'm looking to take him down. Yeah, you know, man, uh, you've heard a lot of fighters say this over the years countless times that, you know, the the scariest thing for a fighter is getting tired. I know Boss Rutten has mentioned it, you know, uh, many times in his career, anytime that he actually got tired, it was was such a devastating feeling and it really does break you. So um, obviously you're, you're the guy with that pace that matches up well against anybody in the division, but give us your thoughts on the opportunity of competing in Rio. Obviously going into very hostile territory, but... Uh, what a statement it would be to defeat Aldo in his backyard. Yeah, man, that's exactly right. You know, as I was saying before, we've, you know, you go take it, you take him out, you're the guy. You take him out in his home country, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're the man, you know what I mean? You're doing, it's not easy. That crowd's going to be roaring. But one good thing about me, that stuff don't affect me at all. I, I, I've, I've got like a, I don't know if you'd call it a tunnel vision or a tunnel focus where I do not really hear or see anything, uh, you know, but what's in front of me in that cage. Will it help him? Maybe. Will it Will it give him that extra, you know, while he's tired, I guarantee you I'm going to gas him in there. Will he always have that one last push because that crowd's going nuts? Maybe. But will that adrenaline rush from the crowd make him throw too much and tire him out even earlier? Maybe. We'll see. But at the same time, it won't affect me. Now, I know you're predicting the, the finish in late second, early third, but... There's always that issue of the hometown judges. Is that a concern for you going into yeah. this one at all? 
Oh, it's obviously going to play in your mind, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't take stupid risks, uh, you know, so I'm not going to go out there and just, oh, yeah, and just throw stupid punches just to get the finish. I'm going to play what's in front of me and the finish will come. But at the same time, you know what I mean? Yeah, that I, I can't see. Uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty high pace and pretty competitive that first round. But I believe that second and third round, it's going to be too obvious to to do that anyway. But at the same time, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to play my game. The finish will come. Right, right. Can't can't pre- can't press for, for it. But obviously, when the opportunity presents itself, so a big win on May 11th. And you're fighting for the title before the end of 2019. I'd imagine that's the ideal scenario, correct? Say it again, sorry, I missed that one. Uh, the oh, sorry, big, <laughs> yeah, no problem. You, you got the big win on May 11th. You're fighting for the title before the end of 2019. I'd imagine that that's the ideal scenario for you. Oh, 100%. That's it. I'm going to be, like I told you, I'm going to be the guy. Um, I'm fighting. I want to be champion by the end of 2019, before the, the year's out. So whoever Max does wait, wait for Khabib if he wins and he takes out Khabib, I ain't waiting around that long. I'll fight someone for the interim, and then when he, if he wants to come back, I'll uh, again make that decision for him, uh, so he he can uh, stay and uh, not have to do such a big weight cut and stay a lightweight. Now speaking of Max, uh, obviously set to move up to face Dustin Poirier for the interim lightweight title. What was your reaction to that fight being booked, and and give us your thoughts on how you think that one's going to play out. Oh, I don't know. Like, can you really be surprised with uh, people going for the whole double champ thing? You know what I mean? It's happening so much now. Right. There was so much talks about it beforehand anyway, so I knew it was coming. Uh, there was talks of him and Ferguson and, you know, uh, so oh, I wasn't surprised. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get upset about it, but at the same time, you know, I don't want this division to be put on hold. You know what I mean? I, I reckon... If he already made that decision to fight him, because he's waiting, you know, if he wins, he wants to fight Khabib already, fine. I know I hate this whole interim title thing, but at the same time, these divisions need to move forward. So True, true. Yeah, even if this fight was for the interim, I wouldn't be complaining. You know, that extra money, that title fight money. Right. We can't, <laughs> we can't argue with that, can we? Yeah. <laughs> They, they could, yeah, man, that's definitely a chance, you know what I mean, like, it's kind of like, fighting's easy, it really is, fighting, you go out there and you do your thing, it's all that hard work before, preparation, weight cutting and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean, if he gets, if he's successful at lightweight, say he takes that win out, like, would, would you really want to do all that cutting weight if you're successful at a, at a heavy division, so, you know, you might not see him come back, but at the same time, if things don't go to plan, he probably will have one last thing, you know what I mean? Make that another big money fight because he's still got that featherweight title and, and whatnot. But, again, I'm planning to get that belt and or take that belt. So, just it is what it is. But, but yeah, you, there could there is a chance of him not coming back down. He is a big boy. Would you would you be disappointed if, if you didn't get a chance to win that belt from Max? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously you're going to always have people saying, yeah, yeah, but... You know, like, you know, you don't, you're not really the champ. Max is the champ. So I'd rather him come down and, again, make that decision for him. So I'd rather be the guy to do that. You know right. what I mean? I want to be. You know, could you imagine? Could you imagine that? Aldo, I mean, uh, Chad Mendes, 
Aldo, then Max, you're going from rank number 10 to rank number 5, number 1 contender, and then all of a sudden you, you take someone out like Max and Aldo, them last two two fights, you're all of a sudden a, a legend of that division, of a featherweight, you got know what I mean? Like you're, oh, you're yeah. taking some of the biggest names out in the in the featherweight, so you're, you're almost a featherweight great already. Right, without and, uh, question. That, that could all happen within 2019, you know what I mean? So... It's a, it's crazy. So that's how big a, a fight like that would be as well. But again, I don't want to look too much forward. Obviously, I, again, I, I'm, I'm good with this sort of stuff. People are going to be like, oh yeah, he's not even thinking of the fight. I'm always thinking of that fight. Put a, put a pad holder in front of me, working a game plan of Alda. That's all I think about. But you know, you ask me questions about Max, I'm going to tell you what I think at the same time. Well, of course, and I think, I think a lot of people that haven't spoke to you, spoken to you earlier on, like you know, during the Kennedy fight, all of that, you've been the same confident guy all the way through. You've been chomping at the bit yep. to fight the top in the division this whole time. So, I mean, I, I don't take it that way. But listen, real quick, before we wrap this up, I know you spoke to Helwani about this in depth. And I got to say, man, what an incredible friend you have to reschedule his wedding. I hope you're taking him to the, him to the fight, correct? Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's not there. <laughs> I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Um, we actually got his uh, Bucks weekend this weekend. So, I'm going to have to be a little sensible. But, uh, you know. It's uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's got a business he runs over here, and yeah, I don't know if he would make it, but uh, I'll definitely uh, be inviting him, and uh, I'll be paying for a ticket if he wants to come. But it's incredible, man! What a crazy, you know. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because you know I know what type of guy he is, and uh, you know, that's why we're best mates. But at the same time, you know, that's you know you don't you don't hear uh, things like that very often. Someone changes at a wedding just so someone can uh, fight or someone can be at your wedding is pretty crazy. So, right. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, you know, I'm glad to be uh, in someone's life like that. You know, both of him and Lauren, uh, she actually made it happen. Um, so for even a, a fiance to, to sort of uh, make it happen is just incredible. So that just shows what type of people they are. Absolutely, that's a lot of support for you to chase after your dream and, and get that gold uh, eventually, of course. But I have to imagine that that it puts a lot of extra pressure on you to make sure you come out on top. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. That's just more motivation for me. That makes me want to win even more. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's crazy. I fight for my family, my friends, and supporters, and you know that just adds to my motivation for this fight. Right, and like you said earlier, I mean, what a story it would be. Retire Chad Mendez, possibly retire Jose Aldo, fight Max Holloway. You would definitely go down as the greatest featherweight of all time, man. Yeah, man, one hundred percent. And that yeah. could all happen within this year. You know what I mean? It's a crazy, crazy, crazy how this could be. It just seems like not that long ago I was like, you know, asking for a, a contender, asking for a you know a ranked fighter. You know what I mean? It's just it's crazy. It was a little bit of a slow start. Now it's just going crazy. I, I was always expecting it at the same time. Well, I have no doubt this is going to be yet another huge step for you towards your goal of becoming a UFC champion. It's been awesome to witness this rise thus far, and I look forward to all the continued success, my friend. So in conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect on May 11th in Rio and why this is a fight that they do not want to miss. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to miss this one. Like I said, you know, if you enjoyed uh, my Chad Mendes fight, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a high-paced fight like that. It's going to be a very, very explosive first round. We're both going to be dangerous, but again, I'm going to set that pressure, and I'm going to, I'm going to really, really put it on. But it's going to be exciting. There's going to be some uh, heavy lever getting thrown. Keep an eye on. <laughs> All right, man. And any shout out sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yeah, shout out. Yeah, I'll get a couple of shout outs. Uh, Unibet, uh, Southern Cross uh, Industries, uh, Muscle Meals, and uh, Combat. 
Nutrition. Just want to give them a shout out, and then yeah, just a uh, one uh, one more shout out to uh, Eli and Lauren for changing the wedding date. <laughs> right, the the biggest shout out of all to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Alex, man, thanks again for the for the time today. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Hopefully, we can catch up again while the fight draws near. Until then, man, have a great training camp, brother. Thanks for the chat, mate. Appreciate it, legend. All right, take it easy, bud. As I said in the interview there, we've been working with Alex for quite a while now, and he's always been this confident. We talked about it, and it's the truth. If he retired Mendez, retires Aldo, and then beats Max and sends him to lightweight, you really can't argue that he's the greatest featherweight of all time. May 11 is going to be great. Make sure you guys tune in for UFC 237. But let's get to our final guest for this episode. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, closing out the show, the one and only... Dan Lambert. All right, Penn Nation, I'm very pleased to introduce our next guest. Uh, given that we've had a great relationship with several of his athletes at American Top Team, it only seems fitting that we're finally joined by the founder of that prestigious gym, the one and only Dan Lambert. Very excited to finally speak with you today, Dan. How was life in Florida this afternoon? Uh, sunny and good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> right, the sunshine state, that only makes sense. Uh, What's it like to be running arguably one of the greatest gyms in combat sports, and how involved are you on the day-to-day operations? Um, I guess it's pretty cool. You know, we, we have a good time. There's ups and downs, obviously. There's good streaks and bad streaks and time where there's drama at the gym and it's not the greatest place in the world to be, and other times when you're on a winning streak and everybody's doing well and everybody's happy, and it's a great place to be. Um, we have, uh, as far as my time, we have, we have a, a weekly coaches meeting, once a week where all the coaches get together and we go over all the issues that are, that, that are affecting the gym at the time. I make sure I'm always there for that. And then other than that, I just come in on an as-needed basis and try to get in there another day of the week. My uh, business is finally getting to a point where it's slowing down and I've sold off a couple of the companies that I was involved in, so I'm starting to spend more time in the gym every week, which is a good thing. Right, and I can only imagine, I mean, a guy for a passion – of mixed martial arts like you have, the more time you're in there, the better off for you, right? Yeah, that's my uh, that's my last 25 year plan. Right, that's uh, where, where I'd like to spend a lot of my time. Right now, the facility itself is absolutely incredible. All the amenities under one roof, dorm- dormitory style housing for the athletes. You've gone out of your way to make American Top Team something really special. What was the goal for you from the beginning of this project? Ah, uh, you know when it started, we were just kind of a jujitsu team. Uh, that were training jiu-jitsu, traveling to tournaments around the country with uh, Conan Silvera and his brother Marcelo. And then a couple of the guys wanted to fight, some of the younger guys, and, and, and they started fighting. And then we just we just kind of grew with the sport. You know, back in 1995, we didn't really have any ambitions of growing to some huge team, having fights all over the world on a weekly basis because there weren't fights all over the world on a weekly basis. You know, there were jiu-jitsu right. tournaments and jiu-jitsu tournaments and fights every so often so uh you know we just we just kind of went with the flow and as the sport grew we grew and here we are and correct me if i'm wrong but this has all been at your own personal expense correct i'm you know i'm wondering what what motivates a guy to invest boatloads of cash into grooming combat athletes Uh, you know you got to find something you like you know to do on your spare time what's the what's the point of of working hard and you know, making money if you don't find something that you enjoy to do with it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's an expense. The team's really never been a profit center for me, and it probably never will be, but, but that's all right. It's, uh, 
it's something that I enjoy. It's something that the guys, you know, my group of friends that, that run our gym with me enjoy. And uh, we have a lot of fun with it. And not to mention, I think that a sport like this, um, obviously all the, all the athletes under your under your roof are incredibly appreciative of you and everything you do for them. But in a sport like this, I feel like we need more guys like you in the business. You know, the, the business has changed so much over the years. It's now gotten to a, to a point where, you know, certain guys that are, you know, on the gym owning side and, and coaching side can actually do it as a real business and make money. And uh, that's attracted, that's attracted people over the years. And, and that's a good thing. Uh, nothing's going to survive long term if it's just relying on people that just really like to do it or are doing it for fun and don't have to rely on it to make a living. Right. It's also gotten to the, it's also gotten to the point where you know a lot of the athletes are making you know so, some good money. There's you know there's quite a few have-nots and fewer haves, but but that the have side is growing. So so it's cool to see. It's just I mean there's there's so many people that are actually making a living whether they're working in the gym or whether they're fighting or whether they're coaching or whether they're managing fighters that it's uh it's gotten to the point where it's a you know it's a legit sport and a legit business and, and that's a good thing yeah i'll tell you what man I'm, I'm definitely on the side or train of thought rather that uh we're certainly not there yet in regards to the have and have nots hopefully that changes one day but uh, um now i'd imagine that the real reward for you is seeing these athletes succeed right like like when you embraced amanda after she shocked the world and, and finished chris cyborg Oh man, to see somebody get to—I mean, obviously, you're not going to have a lot of moments like that in, in in this in this sport or in any other sport. I mean, to see somebody like her go from, you know, not having enough money to scrape together to, to put first, last, and a security down on on an apartment to get to that point, beating you know Chris Cyborg and becoming a champ, champ on a monster pay per view. That's that was pretty cool. Um, but it's just—it's really just the daily grind. I like the daily grind of what we do. I like having fights every week, and I like ha- having something to be interested in. Hel- helping certain fighters get along with certain things that might get in the way. Seeing the, you know, thrill of victory, agony, defeat—it is what it is. I mean, we we had a real bad week a couple weekend a couple weeks ago with uh, Tyron Woodley losing his belt and a couple other fighters losing. We, you know, we went one and three on the show. Pedro Munoz had a big win, but. I still had a good time on that show. It used to be where, you know, I, I lived and died with every victory or lived with every victory and died with every defeat. And, you know, over the years, you, you know, you never want to get numb to winning or losing, but it's, it's more just the process and the journey and, you know, seeing the good, dealing with the bad and, you know, waking up the next day and say, okay, let's go again. You know, the next day we woke up after a man's fight, we're like, okay, great. What's next? Right. No. Right. So it sounds obviously there. Like I said, there's a ton of passion in this for you. But the the more the better. The you you like to stay busy with this. Yeah. This is. I mean, it's a it's a hell of a way to see the world. There's there's fights literally every weekend, almost. I don't know what the UFC is going to do this year, but it's, the number of shows is probably in the 40s, and so it's nearly every weekend. I mean, where, wherever there's fights, you know, I like to I like to go to places I haven't been. I like to go see fighters that I care about. I like to go to shows. I like to watch other guys fight, but there's there's just such a choice. I mean, a few weeks ago we had a guy in the main event in Prague, and you know, last night we had JDS and two others, you know, fighting in Kansas. And the week before that we had four guys on the show in Vegas. Next weekend we got Masvidal in the main event in England. It's just a Poirier coming coming right after that for a title. Kyoji right. Horiguchi in Japan with the week after that. It's like. There's so many fights, and it's it's just a it's a cool way to see the world. It's a cool way to bond with your friends and people that mean a lot to you, and it, 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 we make it fun. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, from a media standpoint, as much as I love the saturation of the sport right now, it's it's getting a little tough to follow. I mean, from from your standpoint, do you kind of have the same feeling? Like, man, how do you keep track of all these athletes? I mean, it used it used to be when there were like you know three UFCs a year. It's like every show was huge, and you knew every fighter on the show, and every fight was such a big fight you were looking forward to. And now you're seeing shows where it's like. You know who the hell's that? You know, and 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 I'll have weekends. I'll admit, I'll have weekends. I'll say, hey, who we got fighting tonight? And it'll be so and so and so and so. Oh shit, I forgot he was fighting. I forgot she was on the show. You know, so yeah, it's, it, it gets a little hard to follow at times. But yeah, it's you know, I, I think expansion's a, a good thing. I think saturation's a good thing. More people are getting fights. More people are getting paid. Hopefully, the hopefully the sport is growing, and hopefully the athletes get to you know participate in the in, in the uptick along along with the promoters absolutely and i'd certainly rather be in a situation where it's feast and not famine as well so i agree with you there 100 percent. but uh getting back to amanda real quick you know what a moment that was when she finished cyborg absolutely incredible what do you think is next for her it, it feels like she's already conquered the world at this point right oh man she's she's come a long way there is no there is no doubt about that um, I, I, I think the plan for Amanda is to, to go back to 135. That division's been sitting dormant for a while, defend that title. And uh, I'd like to see her defend both belts. You know, a few people have become champ champs. Nobody's defended both belts at the same time. So I, I'd like to see her go down to 35. And I think that's she, uh, I think she put a picture on social media trying to get into her skinny jeans and struggle a little bit and said, I'm going back to 35 for the next fight. So. <laughs> Hopefully she goes back at 35, defends that successfully, and, and then and then maybe maybe a rematch with Cyborg if that's what what the what's in the cards, and if not, maybe she defends it against somebody else. I don't know, but I'd certainly like to see her defend both belts. Yeah, that, and that would be a first for the industry right now, or the UFC rather at this point, right? And what a better person to have have do just that than Amanda. Yeah, that, that that'd be a great thing for her. It'd be be great for the team. I think it'd be good for the sport to see somebody do it. Absolutely. Now, speaking of dominant females, I know you guys have plenty of talent in that department as well, but uh, in regards to Ioana, what makes sense for her going forward now, in your opinion, you know, following a couple fights, Skid? She's, uh, she took some time off to decompress and go back with the family. She spent a lot of time in the States last year, and she's uh, finally got that itch again. She told me she's coming back, I believe, in about 30 days or so, probably early April, and she's going to start training again, and she wants to get back in. She wants to take some time to get better rather than just take some time to get ready for right. the next fight. And um, if I had to guess, I think she'd probably be coming back at, at 115. Uh, but I guess 125 still on the table. So I got to sit down when she gets here and talk to her, and talk to the UFC and see what the best direction that for her to go in. I don't think anybody's screaming for a rematch with Valentina after that last fight at 125. So, you know, her quickest path to a title shot may, may be back down at 115. But I guess we'll have to see where that goes. Right, right. I, I agree with you 100% there. It, it's tough. I mean, but based on her performances, obviously the Valentina fight didn't go her way, and she's got the long history of being such a dominant champion at 115, but what weight class would you prefer? Would you rather see her go back down, or do you think she maybe looked a little better at 115, not having to cut all that, or 125 rather, not having to cut all that weight? You know, the weight cut's an issue. It's not an easy weight cut for her. She, uh, she's she got to be, like, really, really disciplined for not just a couple weeks prior to the fight or a few weeks prior to the fight. She's got to be entirely disciplined on what she eats for an entire camp, which is which is hard to do. You know, it's hard to worry about that. It's hard to focus on that and work on getting ready for a fight at the same time. Um, so, 
you know, if, if she if she's comfortable with the weight, I'd rather see her at 115. If, she, if, if, if the weight cut is something that's too, you know, strenuous on her, I'd rather see her at 125. we got to sit her down and, and go over that and make that call. Right, whatever's best for her. Now, of course, uh, Amanda and Ioana, just being a couple of uh, many champions to come out of American Top Team, on top of all the in- other incredible talent under the roof. One guy in particular, though, that you mentioned earlier that, that we've been lucky enough to have a great relationship with is Jorge Masvidal. He's set to jump the pond and throw down with Darren Till this Saturday. Give us your thoughts on uh, that matchup and what it means for Gamebred to get a big win on the 16th. Big fight. You know, George always wants to fight the highest ranked possible guy that he can get. Um, he, when, that, when that fight came up, he was politicking for that fight. He saw that there was an opening to fight Till. Um, tough fight. I mean, that Till, Till is not an easy fight for anybody. And neither's George. I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a striking match. I don't. I don't think either guy's looking to to slow the fight down, slow that action down. Till in his hometown, you know, George is hungry. He needs a win. Till's obviously coming off a disappointing fight with Woodley. He needs a win. I, man, I think that fight's going to be exciting. I'm. 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 I'm pretty pumped for that fight. Yeah, me too, man. And I'll tell you, the last time I spoke with him, he talked about how much he relishes uh, being the underdog in the guy's hometown and. I believe the quote he said to me was something like, he loves to silence a crowd and hear a pin drop. You know what I mean? So definitely a lot on the line. Very exciting matchup. Um, And he's honestly one of the realest guys in the business, and the fans would certainly take note of that as well. Not big on trash talk, but not a guy that you want to cross either. Uh, Let's his fighting speak for itself. Uh, But on the other hand of that, the other end of the spectrum, you have a guy like Colby Covington. Brash, outspoken. Definitely enjoys the bad guy role and taking it to the next level. Um, he's one of the handful of, of guys that you actually manage, correct? Uh, yes, I do manage Colby. I, you know, over over the years I've managed, you know, at one point most of the people in the gym, and then we got to the point where a lot of managers felt comfortable sending people to our gym because sometimes managers are concerned about, you know, sending someone to a foreign gym and, you know, having, having the fighter get poached from a management standpoint and, and we have a reputation where that doesn't happen at our gym. Um, so so we, we've grown to the point where we have fighters coming in that are managed by other people. We have fighters that I manage. We have fighters that manage themselves. Um, you know, we're, we're primarily a training facility. I'd be, I'd be just as happy not managing anybody. But if there's people at the gym that, you know, need some help in dealing with the promoters, we try to provide that service as well. And, yeah, Colby's one of them. Now, I mean, do you, do you enjoy doing the, the managing side of things, or it sounds to me like you, you might rather step away from that? You know, it's funny. People look at the managing side of things and say, oh, that'd be a pretty cool job, you know, that you, know, you get to you know work with the fighters and go to the fights and, you know, get these cut these contracts for them and stuff. Man, it's a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> um, you, know, you spend most of your time arguing. You know, with 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 the promoter over the contract, you spend half the time arguing with your client over the contract. Nobody seems to ever be happy if they, if both sides are happy. The deal, you know, it's probably a pretty strange deal. So, yeah, I don't love managing fighters, but I'm happy to do it if if, if they want the help. Now, Colby in particular, he he's always speak uh, spoken very highly of you, and and credits you with a lot of his success. I've personally been a big supporter of his over the past few years, and he's been very good to us in return. But I still don't grasp why so many people don't understand his angle. Does that surprise you as well? I think people understand his angle. I think some people just don't like it. Um, 
you know, you, 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 but you, you, you hit on it. You said Masvidal's like one of the realest guys in the sport, and, and I don't know how you get any more real than fighting someone in a backyard on, on a Kimbo undercard in South Miami how many years ago. Right. But I think what people don't get is, is Colby's real too. Col- that's Colby's character, you know. They, they say in, in pro wrestling that the guys that get over are the guys who that's their character, and they're just, they're just pro- you know, projecting their character out to the audience. When people try to fake it, you know, people see through it. Colby is kind of a cocky douche at times, um, and he's loud and he's brash, and that's just the way he is, and, and that's the way he comes across. I mean, that that's Colby's character, and I think that's the reason why he's getting why he's getting a lot of attention because people see it, and uh, it's real. It, it's it's real. He is loud. He is showy. He doesn't show a lot of respect to to people outside outside of our gym and and, and his his circle of, of, of friends in the sport, and and he's he's willing he's willing to just. You know, take that role and go with it, and he's happy being the bad guy. And you know, I understand why people don't like that, but you know what? If you don't like it, great, pay your money and hope to see him get his head caved in. Right, right. Now you make a great point there because uh, I was like an old school pro wrestling fan. I was a big WCW guy, the NWL, all that stuff. And you make a great point that some of the best angles, some of the best uh, stuff that got over with the crowd really really was organic and and it was the guys being themselves so i would agree with you 100 percent there that what colby's doing if it is true to himself that's the best way to go i i certainly think it is you know Col- colby's you know he, he's not shy he doesn't mind speaking his mind he does not mind and you know grabbing that the bad guy role and running with it and you know like it or not he, he's being talked about he's gotten some big fights you know the the the, the last you know, eight months or so hasn't worked out perfectly, but that's been more so just because of a timing thing with, you know, Tyron and, and his status and then Colby and his status. And, you know, other than that, it would have, that fight would have happened. And then, you know, they wanted Colby to do something else last minute after agreeing to a couple of fights and he didn't want to do it because it wasn't in his best interest. And then UFC got a little pissed off at him and some of them were skipping you over. And, you know, we got into a little bit of a pissing match over, but, you know, Colby, what, Colby's not going to kowtow to anybody. He's not going to do what he's told just because someone tells him to do it. He says, nope, this is way I, this is what I think I deserve, and I'll wait for it. And it looks like it's going to work itself out now, and it looks like he's going to get the next shot at Usman. And that's one of the big things with being a heel, right, is you really can't walk it back. you, you got to stay true to that, right? I'm sorry, say it again? I, I mean, that's one of the big big parts of, of being a heel in any business, whether it be pro wrestling or MMA. You, you really can't walk that back. You have to stay true to true to what that is, right? Yeah, well, if, you, if, if you're walking it back, you, you're probably not the, the heel in the first place. True, you know, true. It takes me back to, you know, what you hear from Colby is, 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 is all you're ever going to hear from him. You know, I don't, I don't see him ever trying to say, hey, the time's right where I'm going to become a good guy and I'm going to start doing this and that because that's just not him. Right, right. Now, it's common knowledge that, that you have a love of, of professional wrestling and you've been involved with sports entertainment over the years. That being said, man, I've got to ask, how big of an influence has that been on a guy like Colby? Did he walk into the gym with the idea that he dive headfirst into a being a heel, or was that something that you guys, you know, kind of felt came naturally for him? It sounds like it did come naturally for him, but, I mean, was that the plan from the onset as soon as he walked in the gym? Yeah, man, when, when you when he first came into our gym, he had never he had never fought in his life. You know, he was, he was just a college wrestler who was looking for what was going to be the next phase of of his life and he came down and you're not going to get out there and start talking a bunch of trash and trying to be the bad guy in the gym when you've never fought before. That's true. You know? So, so he, he certainly always had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and he certainly was never going to, you know, 
be a guy that was going to let anybody walk all over or push him around. So he, he always had the attitude. But, you know, until you get the spotlight, and you don't get the spotlight until you've won quite a few fights and done something to, to bring some attention upon your part, then on, on your part. And then when once that came, you know, his his attitude started shining through and his personality got out there. And, you know, what you see is what you get. Right. Right. I said from the onset, I had to remind people that, you know, because a lot of people say, where did this come from? He, he This all kind of came out of left field. But in reality, if you remember the stuff he was doing, you know, we'll fight for food standing on the corner or the, the, the funny stuff he did, the poking jabs at Johnny Hendricks, moving to Jackson's gym with all the surrounding fast foods joints or whatever. He, th- this has been his thing from, from the onset. But a lot of media and fans have accused him of taking it too far. I, for one, have always been on the train of thought that, you know, who are we to lecture a guy about optimizing the opportunities available in prize fighting? Where do you stand on that? Does Colby need to dial it back ever, in your opinion? Hey, you know what? Does, does Colby say and do things that make me cringe a little bit and say, oh, fuck. <laughs> not, 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 not really the best look from a team standpoint or, uh-oh, you know, that I'm probably going to have to do a little cooling down at the gym. I mean, the, the day after his, his fight with RDA... I'm right. sorry, not with our day with Damian Maya, and he gets back to he gets back to the U.S. that first day in the gym. You know, I'm like, I guess I better go to the gym today and, <laughs> and, 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 and have a little meeting with everybody and let everybody know what the rules are and what's going on here. So yeah, he does some things that make make our lives, you know, from the from the from the the, the coaching side, the, the the team structure side. He does some things that make our lives a little difficult. But you know what? I'm not telling. I'm not you know the hall monitor, or I'm not the political correctness police i'm not colby's father you know i'm not going to sit there and tell colby what he can and can't say in an interview when you when you give him a call you know he, he does he does what he does outside the gym to the best of you know in his best interest and everybody else does it and i think i think i said it at that meeting that if colby wants to come out and say brazil's a dump and amanda wants to come out and say colby's fucking asshole you know what knock yourselves out hell for all i know maybe you're both right but the fact <laughs> right. is that that, that that shit that stuff that ha- stuff happens outside the gym Inside the gym, everybody's professional. Everybody's a teammate. It's not Brazil versus the U.S. or this or that. It's just it's just American Top Team, and everybody better you know toe that line. And he does. He does has never caused an issue inside our gym with anybody. And when we have issues at our gym, you know, from 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 people, we deal with them. So you know, we wouldn't tolerate any of that stuff inside our gym. Outside our gym, like I said, I'm not his dad. He's gonna he's gonna do what he does. Sometimes he does something and I cringe. Sometimes he does something and I laugh. Sometimes he does something. And I'm like, oh boy, that's going to get people talking. But you know that that's his job. That's his life outside the gym. Inside the gym, Colby shows up on time. Colby trains hard, like really hard, and uh, the rest is not my issue. Right. So it just sounds like the occasional, you know, running and putting a fire out. Aside from that, it all is well, right? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Now, uh, the result of of Colby's angle, in my opinion, has been constant spotlight, bigger fights, bigger paydays and a bigger following for that matter, whether they love him or hate him. But along with that comes the kind of thing that we saw in Vegas last week with uh, Ali Abdelaziz. What was your reaction to that encounter? Uh, you're talking about the buffet? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Ben Askren said it best, you know. I, I signed up for this. I, 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 I'm here to fight people. I want to fight you in a cage when, when Usman approached him, you know, backstage and got in his face and had a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a showdown. He's like, uh, I don't understand the outside the, the cage type shenanigans like that between the fighters. You guys are going to fight. You're going to get every opportunity to, to beat each other's ass inside a cage. What more could you ask for? Why would you need to do something 
outside the cage. Um, Ali, I, I know Ali. Ali's a decent guy. I get along fine with him. I don't know why he would throw himself into a situation like that as a manager. Maybe that's, you know, part of his shtick, sticking up for his fighters or, you know, being their brother or whatever, whatever, whatever have you. I'm, I'm not going to judge it because the guy's got more fighters under his management than the UFC than probably most other managers combined. So whatever he's doing is working for him. I didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I think it was, you know, it was a stupid thing to do. It's not like his guy's bucking to get a big fight against somebody. His guy just won the title. Right. His fights are going to come to him. Um, you know, if, if Colby rolled up on him and was talking shit, I'd say, oh, Colby's just trying to try to make sure he's first in line for that fight. Uh, the other way around, I didn't really understand it. Yeah, I tell you, I think a lot of people are, are looking at it as, as Ali is, is pretty obvious about looking for that spotlight, but... You know, as a guy who manages athletes, it sounds to me like, you know, that kind of behavior you would frown upon or does it upset you at all to see that kind of thing? I just don't get it. I, I don't I don't understand how somebody think that makes them look good or or, you know, increases their position in the sport. I, I, I don't I don't follow it, you know. But again, that fucker's got more people under his management than anybody. Look look at his list of clients. So Yes he does. He must he, he must be doing something that works. Right, right, and that's absolutely true. Speaking of that weekend, the biggest fight to, to make in the division over the past year, as we've been talking about, was Colby versus Tyron, but for whatever reason, the, all the stuff that happened to be in between with uh, Tyron's injuries, Colby's surgery, all that stuff, the UFC chose to go with Camaro and Tyron. We all saw the result last Saturday. From a promotional standpoint, was, was that a bummer for you, or do you think that Camaro could be just as big of a fight? Uh, you know... The fight was a disappointment for me because I loved Tewin. You know, I've, I've known him since <laughs> before he was fighting professionally. I think, and uh, he's been part, been with us for a long time. He, he does a lot of his training at Duke Rufus's gym, which is closer to him. And Duke does a great job, obviously, and gets a ton of his credit. But Tewin's owned an ATT gym for I don't know how many years, and I consider him part of our team and part of our family. And I felt terrible for him. I really like him a lot, and. Uh, He's a stand-up guy. I probably have more respect for him as an individual than I do of any fighter that's ever come through our gym because he just—he really always does the right thing by everybody. So I felt terrible for him. You know, selfishly, no, selfishly, it took a little bit of heat off of me. Now I don't have to go there and be in between him and Colby fighting. I—I I, I never would be around two of our guys fighting, especially when they're fighting for the for for a title because you know somebody's gonna experience the ultimate high and then on the flip side somebody else is gonna you know be the lowest of lows you know at least when you're in a regular fight you got a 50 50 chance of winning that fight and being happy at the end of the fight you know when two of our guys fight each other i got a hundred percent chance of being miserable for somebody so you know I, i'm not unhappy that that fight's not gonna happen i'm, I'm unhappy that he would lost his belt yeah so for you it, it obviously it, it it's kind of a blessing in disguise that you don't have to be in the middle of, of, you know, two guys that you love and appreciate going at each other like that. Yeah, selfishly speaking, I, I guess that that's true. Right. Now, uh, there's still a backstory from from the Black Zillion days with Kamaru, but promotion aside, how do you think Colby matches up with Usman? Man, that's going to be a that's going to be a, an interesting fight. I mean, Kamaru looked pretty damn good in that fight against Woodley. I know it wasn't Woodley's best performance and you know, it's tough to be a, you know, a rapper and an actor and a UFC champion of the world all at the same time. And I don't know how much of that performance was just Usman looking unbelievable and how much of it was, was Woodley, you know, having a really bad day or it was probably a combination of the two. 
Right. Um, but but Usman hasn't shown a lot of you know a lot of kinks in his armor thus far, and, and neither is Colby. So you know it's it's going to be a crazy fight. You know, Cameron's been able to dictate the pace and push the pace and control the flow of every fight he's had in the UFC, and he's shown that when he can do that, he's really good and he's a problem for a lot of people. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that against Colby because Colby is not going to step backwards. You know, in that fight, Colby is going to come. He is going to scramble. He's going to do everything he can. He's going to push that pace hard. And, you know, that, that kid's got a third lung in there somewhere that uh, it's just he, he doesn't get tired. So that's that's going to be a I think it's going to be a wild fight. I think it's going to be a really exciting fight, even on the exchanges that don't involve two guys standing and throwing bombs. I think it's still going to be exciting because those guys will both push the pace and wrestle like a motherfucker. That's that's going to be a really good fight. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the obviously the big factor going in is how they both push the pace. It's kind of like two immovable objects meeting each other inside the cage. Uh, have you guys discussed any any uh, had any discussion with the UFC on a potential date for when that fight's going to happen? I think that's all on the Kamaruzman side. I think Colby would fight him tomorrow if the fight was ready. You know, Colby. You know, there's there's been some talk, and you know, Colby turning down fights and whatnot. You know, when when Colby got the interim belt, he wanted to fight. See what immediately, but he needed a sinus surgery, you know. And when when someone calls you and says you got to fight in like four weeks and you're going in for surgery tomorrow because you can't breathe, you know that's that's a problem. Other than that, you know, Colby Colby didn't turn down fights. Colby was begging to fight. Colby always wanted to to fight, and he always wanted bigger fights. So you know they had that problem, but they needed Woodley on that show. They needed a headliner for that pay per view, and you know they put in the till fight, and then they kind of you know had Colby in the doghouse from there on out. You know, but then then the Woodley fight got scheduled again, and then T. Wood couldn't do it because he had a thumb injury. And then at the at the last minute, you know, they wanted to switch opponents and 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 have Colby fight Usman like January nineteenth or twenty sixth it was, and then said if he wins it, then he can turn around on March second and fight T. Wood for the belt. I was like, well, that that math doesn't work. That's like six weeks later. Right. That fight's never going to happen. And then if that fight doesn't happen, T. Wood's going to fight somebody else. And then that fight's never going to happen between him and T. Wood. So, you know, he said no to that fight, but, you know, it certainly wasn't because he, he was trying to avoid a fight with Usman. He was trying to get his title shot. He was ranked number one, had the inner belt. You know, he, he, shit, he, I, on his behalf, asked for an Usman fight with him many times when they were both outside of the top 15 and they were both starting a, a path to, to, you know, to start cracking the rankings. I thought that was a good fight for him back then, and then it, it, it never happened. You know, we asked for it several times, and, you know, I don't know if the other side turned it down or if it just didn't work out time-wise or other fights popped up for either guy. But the fight but the fight never happened, and then, you know, Usman never started calling Colby out until Colby came, you know, popped into the top five or so. But, you know, guys in the top five don't want to fight somebody that are down, like, in the 14 or 15 range. That's just not the way it was. The same way Usman said, I don't want to fight Ben Asker. Why is he calling my name? Why is he calling me Marty? You know, he's calling you Marty. <laughs> right. He's calling you Marty because you're ranked, like, number two, and he's – you know, looking for his first fight in the UFC. He's trying to take your spot. Right. You know, so it was, it was the same situation. Um, I think it's a, I think it's, an, it's, it's a good fight. I think it's going to happen. I think it should be a promotable fight. You know, there is some legit dislike for each other right there, which, you know, typically translates well to a, to a buildup. And um, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I feel like the UFC did, uh, did Colby pretty dirty with that one because, it was the UFC doctors that suggested he get that surgery, correct? I don't know that they suggested the surgery or not, but he clearly needed it. I mean, his 
he, he did his last three or four fights, you know, breathing at like 20% of what he should have been breathing at. I mean, you couldn't deny that he needed the surgery. And, you know, UFC has a business to run. They're looking to put on shows. And, you know, I, I don't think that they really care as much if a guy's 100% or 80% or 90%. If they need a guy to fight, they need a guy to fight. Right. You know, so, so you know, they got to look at it from their side. And, you know, always got to look at it from his side. We got to look at it from our fighter side. You know, I wasn't going to let him go into a title fight against, you know, the, the arguably the best welterweight to ever live at that time without being close to 100%. You know, I know everybody says, well, nobody goes into a fight ever 100% or you're not training hard. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, breathing at 20% is far different than, you know, having a little bit of a nick. You know? right. So Right. And then couple that with a guy who is known for his pace. You know, so I, I agree with you, man. I mean, you you take away a guy's lung function that that's a big deal, especially for a guy that put that is known for pushing a pace and and wearing guys out. So uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, but go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I I agree. It was an unfortunate situation. I didn't like the way it went down. I thought Colby got the shit end of that stick. But you know, at the end of the day, shit works itself out, and now he's gonna fight for the belt. Absolutely. And another big title fight you have looming. Of course, you mentioned it earlier. Dustin Poirier in the rematch with uh, Max Holloway. That kind of came out of left field, in my opinion. What do you think of that matchup? Man, I, I when I was looking at the list of possible matchups for Dustin coming up, and you know Max wasn't at the top of my head. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he's Max. You know, now that I think about it, though, I mean, it makes sense. Max is freaking huge. You know, for a one forty-five-er, Max is not going to be a small one fifty-five-er. He's on a crazy run. He's just tearing guys up. Um, he's going to stand and bang, and Dustin's going to stand and bang. That is going to be, you know, even though that wasn't the fight that I would have thought of, I was thinking, you know, maybe Dustin and Ferguson, if Khabib was going to be out until November, like he was saying. Um, I wasn't thinking the match, but now that they, they booked it, I'm like, oh, shit, man, that's a really good fight. Maybe these, maybe there's a reason these guys make the big bucks and do what they do and set these fights up, because, I mean, if you don't want to see Max Holloway fight Dustin Poirier, go watch basketball or something. <laughs> absolutely definitely definitely a very exciting matchup it has a history there as well um i couldn't agree with you more but like you said wasn't at the top of the list for for opponents that i would have thought of for dustin but um hey man when, when it all unfolds on fight night i'm sure we're going to be in for a treat uh between dustin and colby alone could be another very big year for you guys at att in regards to capturing titles uh but i think the event for you guys this year is going to be the card on in uh, Florida on April 27th. Yoel facing Jacare, of course. But I'm sure you guys are going to be looking to, to stack that card with a, as much talent from your gym as possible, right? Yeah, we got some other people on that show as well. I will throw out there that uh, Tiago Santos is next in line for John Jones's belt as, as well. So there's another big opportunity right there for us. Uh, you know, good news is you get a title shot. Bad news is against John Jones, best fighter ever walked the earth. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Mahetta, the guy hits like a truck. Uh, back to the Fort Lauderdale show. Yeah, we, we, we've got a few other guys on the show. John Lineker's on the show. Um, Andre Lofsky's on the show. You know, Glover Teixeira moved, moved his training camp back to Connecticut after being with us for, for a while. But hopefully he'll come back down for a couple weeks before that show if he can. And, and, and you know, fine-tune his game plan up. He's a great guy, so even if he's not part of the team. You know, so to speak, anymore. Still love that guy. So we're definitely going to have some guys on that show. It's going to be interesting. We may have one or two more that are being lined up right now. Yeah, like I said, I mean, obviously nothing's finalized. The card 
the the card hasn't been finalized, but I'd imagine that that you'll have a few more guys on there. Um, yeah, the last the, the last time they came to South Florida was they were they had a show at the Hard Rock, and we we had eight people on the show. Right, only, <laughs> only makes sense, man. It's your backyard. You got to go out there and fight in your backyard. You know. I guess so. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you, you uh, real quick, just to recap uh, the the past weekend, you mentioned JDS earlier. How do you think he looked against Eric Lewis? Obviously, a great win. Do you do you think he's uh, maybe knocking on that door to get another title shot eventually? I, I mean, it's the heavyweight division. It's you know, everybody knows it's not the deepest division in the world, and and it's also not not the easiest division to put together a, a nice win streak. So you know, three three wins over good guys, typically at heavyweight, is enough to to get you that spot. You know, you've got. You got Stipe there. You got Ngannou, you know, back on a little bit of a tear again. So, you know, who the hell knows what's going on with Brock Lesnar? Um, I, I don't know. Does it? Would it make sense for him to get a title fight right now? Yeah, I think I think he can make a a, a, re- a really good argument for a title fight. I have no idea what's going on with Stipe. I mean, he hasn't fought since July, and I don't know what his status is with the UFC. If if they're at odds, or if he's injured, or if he's just waiting and said that you know it's a title shot or nothing. For me, uh, if I had to guess, he's probably going to have to fight one more time against you know one of the top one, two, three guys in the world and pro- probably win that fight to get the, to get the title shot. But he, he looked great. I think it was a great matchup for him, you know, on paper. And, uh, but, you know, he went there and packed it up and, you know, took out a, a real dangerous guy. Yeah, I was surprised at how many people were, weren't uh, weren't going his way in the lead-up to this fight. I felt like uh, he's a really bad stylistic matchup for Derek Lewis. Yeah, I thought I thought he was a terrible stylistic matchup for Derek Lewis. I thought that on paper that was, you know, there are no safe fights in the UFC, and certainly not at heavyweight with the way those guys hit. But you know, I think he wins that fight a, a lot more than he would lose that fight. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today, man. And you know, we've really only scratched the surface surface of uh, topics here. Hopefully, we can catch up again soon and continue the conversation. But before we wrap this thing up, anything you think we missed or? No, I think you covered the, the gamut. You know, we got a, just a, a, a lot of fights coming up, a lot of good guys, a lot of people knocking on the doors for title shots. And, you know, title shots don't come easy in this sport, and, and winning belts is, is even more difficult. So uh, it'd be a great thing. It's the, it's the epitome of the sport to go and, and get one of those. So hopefully we add a couple more this year. Absolutely. It only speaks volume to the talent that's in the room with all these guys and these high-profile fights. Uh, in conclusion, man, tell all the listeners out there what they can expect from American Top Team this year and why your gym will remain a powerhouse in MMA for years and years to come. You know, I, I, I think the, the, there's a reason, you know, that a lot of the top gyms kind of keep their position going forward. And it's kind of hard to crack that rotation. It's just that they've got a, just a high quality of training partners, you know. You know, everybody thinks their coaches are the best. Everybody thinks their facility is the best. But you know, the fact of the matter is they're just walls and people yelling at you at the end of the day. If you don't have really good people to give you different looks and train with you every day, you know, it's going to be so much harder to, to, to push yourself farther in the sport. You know, you might, have the, you might have the greatest kickboxer to work with every day, but if that's the only guy you're doing your striking with, you're, you're, you might be getting a little better, but you're really just getting better at training with that guy. You know, and then you find someone with a completely different style and you're, you're kind of lost. So, you know, we're, we're lucky, very fortunate to have a big staff. We've got about 100 pro fighters at our gym that train out of the main facility. You walk on there on every day and you see just, you know, a long list of people at every different weight, all different styles. You know, very rarely do we have to reach outside of our gym to find training partners for particular fights because if you're fighting, 
you know, you're fighting a tall, lanky southpaw, Elisha Strike, we've got a few of those. You know, you're fighting a short, stocky wrestler who's looking to take you down and hold you. we got a few of those. So we're just lucky to, to, to have those people. And, and fortunately, you know, we get knocks on our door all the time about from guys who, who want to come and train here, and they add to the mix. And, you know, we just hope to keep plugging along. Well, I certainly have no doubt that the success will continue, and we're greatly appreciative of all the great relationships we have with uh, a lot of your guys. So, again, man, thank you very much for the time. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Could go on like this for an hour or so, <laughs> possibly more. But um, looking forward to the next time, man. You have a great afternoon, my friend. Okay, appreciate your time. Thanks. You guys heard me discuss this at the top of the episode, the excitement of having Dan join the show for the first time. For a guy to invest his own hard-earned money into a sport like this and help so many fighters reach their goals and their dreams of becoming champions, he truly is one of a kind in this sport. Great mind for promotion, as you've guys seen with Colby, and countless, countless future champions and champions alike under his roof. Hopefully we'll be able to have him on again in the future. But that's it for us, folks. Thank you all for tuning in yet again. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at BJ Penn Radio on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow the website as well, bjpen.com on Twitter and Facebook. Set up alerts so you get the news as it breaks. We just launched a brand new mobile site. It works great. Speed and functionality, of course, being the goals there. I think you guys will enjoy it. You can swipe right through all the current articles from front to back. Everything you crave from the sports you love, bjpen.com. We have got you covered, guys. On behalf of the entire team, Again, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.